Hello and welcome to Dopey, a dumb podcast about drug stories and other such things. I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. And um, we are both in recovery. <laughs> I just want to say that. I feel like, like we, it's, it, we might be doing a totally irresponsible thing. Of what? Of glorifying past drug experiences. Yeah, but we're in recovery, so it's okay. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Can I even say we are recovered? You're not recovered. There's no such thing. <laughs> not according to Bill and Bob. Let me tell you something. You are not recovered. <laughs> there might be such a thing as recovered, but you are not it. I might be it. I have too much to live for. All right. Too much. But the point is that neither of us are getting high or drinking uh, on a 24-hour basis. Mm. But I don't have that much time. I just got five months this week. Mm. Nice job, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I have two years. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, on February 5th, I was. Presuming something horrible doesn't happen, you don't die or use. I mean, Chris is a bad fucking addict. He goes out. I remember one time I was in recovery, uh, and I had gotten like a year together, and Chris calls me up, and he's like, Yo, Dave. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want to do some acid tonight? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, me neither. But let's just get some dope. What do you say? And I'm like, no. And he's like, are you sure? I'll buy it. I can just come over and we can get some dope. And that's the kind of drug addict Chris is. And that's the kind of friend I am, too. It's not good. It's not good at all. All of a sudden, I'm feeling very bad. I'm feeling a little, a little hot. You know, it's, it's not good. Anyway, our podcast is a... Um, it's it's about telling uh, dumb and funny drug stories. It's it's about revisiting the past without getting high. Yeah. How you like that? Yeah, and it's okay if you are getting high. It is. It's not it's just not okay for it, it's not okay for me. It's not okay for me either. But you know, I was talking to this dude I work with today. Most people who get high are probably not drug addicts. Of course. Yeah. You, you and I are drug addicts, though. Yes. And uh, getting high. If I if I smoked weed tonight, all I would think about was how I could get high tomorrow. If I took any drug, if I took any drug, I would just think about how I could do the next one. Yeah, it's like a gas stove running, and one substance, any mind or mood alternative, it'll spark. That's really what addiction is. It yeah. is. It's, it's, it's this thing where you just can't stop, and that it's. I always forget that, which is why I, I haven't put that much time together. But I'm not going to forget it this time. Eh. No, yeah. no, I'm not going to forget it this time. Well, you need to be reminded. Well, okay. Because you will forget it. Yes, that's why I'm going to go to a meeting tomorrow morning at 7.30 in the morning. But this is not a podcast about recovery. Yeah. So don't change that dial if you think you got some nuns <laughs> sitting in a room talking about why you shouldn't do drugs. Because it's story time. But you really shouldn't do drugs. <laughs> I just want to say that. This is no way promoting the use of drugs. Okay. So a little backstory here. The reason this is all happening is Dave's like, what happens if my daughter listens to this? So he's buttering it up for her. But my daughter's five years old. She's not going to be listening to Dopey, the dumbass podcast about drugs. But I do not want anyone to think that I don't take my recovery seriously. Mm. Because I do. Yeah. I really do. And as we all know, anything I put in front of my sobriety 
All Chances right, all right. are, all right. I will lose. <laughs> um, so now it's story time. Because do you know that my disease is in the parking lot doing push-ups, Shut waiting up, for dude. me <laughs> to go out. That's what it's doing. It's doing push-ups. It's like smoking fucking... What's that shit with the... It's smoking angel dust with its feet on a mailbox in the street doing vertical push-ups to get really strong. I once bought um, fake mushrooms off a guy who would smoke... Um, Angel dust and do push-ups like that in the street. He was really scary. What was his name? I don't know, but he was really scary. He ripped us off, and we were too scared to get our money back. This wasn't Tony Baloney, I take it. No, it was some <laughs> weird hippie guy in uh, Sheep's Meadow back in the day. I think they were like gourmet mushrooms. <laughs> we thought they were psychedelic mushrooms, but they were like portobellas. The question is, once you realized they were fake, did you still eat them? Just in case? I don't like mushrooms. <laughs> I don't like mushrooms at all. Well, that's just, maybe I'm just asking because... I know I used to buy bad crack a lot. It'd be drywall or soap. And I'd notice it was fake. I'd still load it in the pipe, take a hit. I'd be like, this is fake. And then whoever I was with would be like, let me try. Like, oh, it's yeah. fake. Oh, yeah. I would do the same thing. <laughs> uh, but with mushrooms, they're just so gross. I mean, yeah. I love the high of uh, psilocybin. Like, I love that high. Yeah. But I don't like mushrooms. They gross me out. Yeah. Nasty. Fucking gross. I remember one time I went to this concert... Uh, it was like a Woodstock anniversary at Woodstock, and we brought like ounces of mushrooms. Me and my friend bought ounces of mushrooms, and uh, we and we I don't know how this happened, but we bought a can of chili. Yeah. And we had a pot, and we didn't have any wood or anything, but we had a, a, an issue of the Village Voice, mm. and we burned it in the open air, the Village Voice, and we cooked the chili over the burning Village Voice. With the mushrooms, and that's how we ate the mushrooms. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. It was a great trip, actually. I remember I took a lot of mushrooms once, like a lot. I'm talking about close to an ounce at a fish show, and I was just eating them, and I had been up all night taking Adderall and driving to this fish show in Maine, which was like a 12-hour ride from, from Boston. And uh, I got there, ate all the mushrooms, and I got fascinated by emotion. And all I wanted to do was watch people's emotional state changed, and I tried to facilitate that. So I would do things like be really funny and then be scary. In, in the moment <laughs> yeah. to see them get scared? <laughs> no, to want you to watch them change from laughing to fear. That's fucking crazy. Yes. But that's serious psychedelic observation. <laughs> that's interesting. That's scary. Yeah. And Chris loves psychedelics more than most. Mm-hmm. It was kind of my bridge to sobriety in a way. I met a doctor who um, took a keen interest in my interest in psychedelics and hallucinogens, and he uh, suggested some spiritual avenues where I might be able to find something akin to what I was looking for with those psychedelics. And uh, didn't get sober right then, but that was the first time I became a little bit more open-minded. But this podcast isn't about recovery. No, it's not about recovery. (laughs) But, like, did you ever... Me and Chris have been talking about this for a long time now. Um, I cannot imagine you found any sort of psychedelic experience without taking a hallucinogen. No, I didn't have the discipline, but I do think that's possible. You just have to work at it. What, like starving yourself for a week? No, meditation, yoga, stuff like that. It's not going to become... What? People who travel down that path really, really are disciplined and work at it, they can achieve states that are sort of similar to what people... How so? 
It's true. I mean, I think if we have... You're not going to see fucking walls melt, paisleys appear in the carpet. Okay, open-eye visuals? Yes, maybe you're right. You're not going to have open-eye visuals. So what would the psychedelic experience be without the psychedelic substance? I don't know. And what have you heard? I'm too lazy to pursue it. Clearly. But what what have you you, uh, heard? Uh, just people being in the, in a meditative state, and I, first of all, I think it's much different if you live in the United States. I think that um, if you're some monk meditating in the Himalayas who has no distractions, that um, your consciousness can change. I mean, think about when you dream. I mean, what that feels like. Okay, okay, some, some sort of inner, some sort of inner journey. Yeah, some sort of inner journey, like spirit animal quest kind of thing. Yeah. All right, fine. But That's, I don't know. It's not like a, a fucking smoking DMT and going to the vegan restaurant. No, it's not the businessman's high. And you know, it's, no. Have you ever smoked DMT? Yes, I've shot DMT. Really? I shot, well, it was, I think it was called 5-MAO DMT, and it was, I got it, and I used to use... Chris is the fucking man, by the way. <laughs> I used to use Arrowhead a lot, and I got it, it as a research chemical. This was in like 2007. What's, just for the audience, tell us what Arrowhead is. Um, it is a drug and alcohol website where people publish trip reports, sort of similar to what we're talking about, but they write about it and there isn't really a humorous slant to it. So anyways, I got a bunch of this stuff. It was some form of DMT. You're worried that Arrowwood is competing with us? No, I'm not. Okay. I don't think anybody is competing with us. That's the spirit. Uh, so I got a bunch of that, that DMT stuff. It was. What about Dope Stories, the podcast with Crazy Mike and the other guy from Fish or whatever that thing is? I think that's ending. Didn't we see that was ending? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to replace <laughs> Dope Stories, whatever that might be. Anyway, continue. Um, well, we'll get into this story quickly. But the DMT thing was I, uh, I ordered it from Canada and, as a research chemical and I got a half a gram, so 500 milligrams, and uh, I was shooting dope and coke at the time, so I tried to research, you know, what would happen if I shot it, and I only found one, you know, there was no published stuff about it, but there was one guy that had published something on Arrowhead that said, you know, if you're injecting this form of DMT, you want to use like four to eight milligrams, and um, for anybody listening, uh, that's it's about a half of a match head. And so I had a half a gram, 500 milligrams. So I eyeballed the dose. (laughs) (laughs) And I probably ended up shooting about 40 milligrams or, you know, 30, I don't know, a lot. And um, I blacked out and I woke up 30 minutes later doing bicycle kicks on my bed in the next room over. And that was my experience shooting it. And what did you do the rest of it? You smoked it? I sniffed it and stuff, yeah. And how was it? It was all right. I like DMT. Yeah, that's good. So the story. Should I get to the story? Please. Because we're already at 10 minutes. That was fast. All right, tell the story. All right, so the story is um, after this whole thing with that one Spartan rehab impact, I went to jail um, uh, just for six months this time. And when I got out of jail, I had to go to a court-ordered rehab. And the rehab, um, it was a year long, and I had spent a year there. And... uh, this one was also very strict, much different than the other one, which was also strict in the sense that it was uh, definitely catered more to... Well, hold, like on, the, hold on, hold on for a second. Now, Chris, just so the audience understands this, how many years would you say you were in rehab? A if lot. You put, if you put all I your rehab I did a rehabs, day for day once, and it was like, uh, it was over a thousand days of actual inpatient treatment. That's not including sober living transitional living I'm talking about when you go to groups all day and you live in a primary residential so we're talking about like three years yeah straight yes straight intense (laughs) um so I was 
I got court order, went to jail, got released from jail, and I got court order to this rehab called Alina Lodge. And there's a saying among seasoned rehab goers, which is dodge the lodge. Um, and that's because of what the rules are like at this place. And, um, and as I was saying, uh, it definitely caters to a more sort of upper middle class um, clientele. Uh, and it's somewhat expensive to go there. Um, you have to wear a coat and tie to dinner. Um, can't look at the women also. Uh, So how many ties do you bring for a rehab like that? I think I just brought one. So you wore the same tie every day for a year? Every dinner, the same tie? Well, I wasn't there for a year, which we'll get to. Okay, continue. Um, If I went to Alina Lodge, I would need at least seven ties. Yeah. Yeah, you'd need... I'd want to change it up. (laughs) I'd want, like, a skinny tie. I'd want a paisley thing. I bet you wouldn't care after a while there. No, I would. I'd get... Because, like, I... Listen, I am a slob, and I don't dress well... But I like a nice tie. And if I'm there for a year and I have to wear... Do they still wear ties every night there? I don't know. I don't know how it's changed. I've heard it's gotten a little less strict. And to be honest, I probably didn't even have a tie. I probably used somebody else's tie. I don't believe that either. Well, I came from jail, so I wasn't really traveling. But I'm sure your folks got you a tie. Yeah, they probably did, actually. That's a good point. Um, Did you ever use a tie to tie yourself off to shoot? I never had to tie myself off. Never. Not once. Never? Never. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, at this place, the rules, real quickly, the rundown. No, never? Never. No coffee. No, in the beginning, I did because I thought I needed to. And then once I learned I didn't need to, I wouldn't do it. Okay. So, never in the sense that once I learned what I was doing. I needed to do no, it. No, I know. A lot, most people do. And I did it with a tie a couple times. Yeah. Often. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, the rehab, Alina Lodge, the rules. No coffee. No cigarettes, no looking at the opposite sex. Fruiting? Uh, no, the, the, this isn't the fruiting one. Um, you can fruit all you want, which actually we'll get into. Do they have fun. fruit trees at Illinois? There was no fruit trees, but we will get into the fruit because after I left this facility, nobody was allowed to eat fruit for several months, which you'll learn about shortly. Okay. I know you're curious. I am. Um, so I... Uh, no coffee, no cigarettes, can't look at the other women. No phone calls for one year. They open your mail and only can get mail from immediate family members. Extremely strict, all right? They move your room every two weeks so you don't live with the same person too long. Um, it's kind of a sensory deprivation type deal. And it is some very serious people that go, that go there. It's, uh, did you like the it? Rehab. I did not like it. It is the rehab... For people who um, have failed at many other rehabs. So I went there, phenomenon of cravings in full gear. I show up high. Um, I managed to, from getting out of jail before I went there, I had a couple days and I managed to do meth. So I was coming there, I was just not in a good mindset and was going totally crazy. However, in my recent incarceration, I had learned how to make pruno or hooch or whatever you call it, jailhouse alcohol. It depends on where you are in the country. And uh, there's a million theories about how to do it, but it's very simple. All you really need is a kicker, which is some rotten fruit, orange juice, and sugar, and then a container that's airtight. That's it. All right, People use other stuff. And they so say, you're in Alina Lodge, and you become a winemaker. Well, I decide to start making wine, but this is really about the process and what happened after that. And I'm going to need to hurry this up because this is a pretty lengthy story. So, I... Uh, You're telling me I should be quiet. No, no, no. I'm not telling you should be quiet. I like your interjections. They're good. Okay. Keep them coming. Um, so, I, uh, I let 
first of all, getting all those materials was really hard, and I had to do it with um, another person that was a, uh, a friend of mine there. The only other person probably not at least pretending to take it serious. You know, we were um, just very blatant, like, you know. You wanted to get high. You I wanted to, to get high, and I was not embracing recovery principles, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and so... The process involved breaking into the kitchen and getting frozen orange juice. Uh, you couldn't work out there. They would do aerobics classes twice a week. Um, and so I opted out of the aerobics classes, and you had to have an excuse, and I said it because I broke my neck when I was younger. So, Which is a great story also. Which, yeah, which is another great story. And so um, during the group— You'd be like, I don't want to do aerobics. I need to go make wine. Yeah. So while, exactly. So while everybody else was doing the um, aerobics, um, me and this other kid, his name was Jeremy, would... Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah. We would make, make the hooch. Not Jeremy. 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 Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and... Unless his name is Jeremy. Maybe it was Jeremy. Nobody's name is Jeremy. His name is probably Jeremy. Anyway, continue. Um, Do you know anybody else named Jeremy? I have a is really... Jeremy... Who is in the Pearl Jam song? Jeremy. That's Jeremy. Not Jeremy. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Spoken. Jeremy. Jeremy Spoken? No, that's the song. <laughs> Jeremy yeah. Spoken. Um, okay, so me and Jeremy, we uh, we this made this... so unnatural. We made this wine. I can't say certain things. Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah, that's good. Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> so... Me and this kid, we started making this wine uh, during these groups. It takes a few days to start. We got drunk um, and uh, worked the first time. Second time, somebody smelled it, and we got caught. So they brought us into this separate room. Uh, and mind you, I was court-ordered at this rehab, and if I ran away, I had a suspended prison sentence. And I knew I was going to get kicked out. Very strict, you're going to get kicked out. So I booked it. I ran out the back door. I ran into the woods. This is in uh, Blairstown, New Jersey. Because they caught you making booze. Because they caught me making booze. And I was, uh, I knew I was going to get violated. Is that the violated. Blairstown, like where the Blair Witch Project was? That's what I heard. I don't know if that's true. That's what people said when I was there. Um, and so I ran into the woods, and I, uh, I ended up just, like, sleeping in the woods for almost a day because I thought the police were, like, you know, on me already, and I was going to go straight to prison. Well, it would be two days. Because you'd sleep there for the night. You didn't sleep in the woods during the day. No, I stayed up until night. No, it, I, I left in the middle Where of the night. Where did you sleep? Against an old tree? A no, cave? I just kind of like... By the, by the stream? I just kind of pulled some leaves over me and is stuff. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Because I thought people were looking for me. <laughs> and, I, you know, a couple years later I learned that, you know, they don't immediately send the police after you. Because um, they think you'll come back? Before you... No, well, I, I mean... I violated the terms of my probation. But the paperwork takes time. The paperwork takes time. For, yeah, so I thought it was like they were going to swarm on me immediately, which which wasn't the case. Uh, but anyways, I, I thought it was. So I hid in the woods, you know, until for a while, until it was like night. And uh, then I went on the side of the road and I flagged down a gentleman. And uh, I'm in my coat and tie because it was almost like dinner time. We are getting ready for dinner. And uh, I, um, I tell him my girlfriend kicked me out of the car and I need a ride somewhere. So I make something up, and he gives me a ride to the next nearest town. That's the story you said, that your girlfriend kicked you out of the car. Yeah, I made something up, so he would give me a ride. So he gives me a ride to the next nearest town, which was Newton, and there I'm able to call an actual old girlfriend from California who sends me money. And I make my way to New York City, and I'm in New York City, and I immediately start shooting crack, which is, you know, you break it down with... With vinegar, and I'm, I'm injecting crack throughout uh, New York City. and um, Most people smoke crack. Though. Most people smoke crack. But, but not I, you. Not me. No, I would break it down. So 
one night I'm walking around. I spend. She gave me a couple infusions of money. I kept on saying I was going to get a plane ticket. Instead, I would just stay in New York. And you know, the, yeah. And the girl kept on saying, "We'll come back out," and I would stay. Stay. In, I'm in Harlem, and um, so. This one night I'm walking around and I see this white guy and in, in, he's walking on the side of the road and he's walking really strange and I say, hey man, what's up? What's wrong with you? And uh, he was on GHB and this is where the story gets very coincidental and strange. I was drinking Blue Mountain Blast Powerade. That was my drink back then, like, you know, my regular drink. And um, he... That was your drink? Blue Mountain yeah, Blast I just, Powerade? I don't know why. I really liked it, all right? So <laughs> Blue Mountain Blast. I don't even know if they make Powerade still. They do. Um, and so, and he, very ironically, and this isn't where the irony ends, had a GH, a bottle, a bottle full of GHB, which was a Mountain Blast Powerade bottle. Very strange. The same bottle of the thing I'm drinking. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, but let, <laughs> let this finish, all right? So I I have no money. So the coincidence is that you, a Blue Mountain Powerade <laughs> drinker, encountered a GHB user who drank GHB from a Blue Mountain Powerade bottle. Yes. Okay. And that's not where the coincidence is. Stop. Continue. Okay. So uh, I ask him, can I get some of the GHB? Mind you, I've never done GHB in my I've life. I've never done it. Yeah. So he hands me the Powerade bottle. For? I don't know. Um, so he hands me the Powerade bottle, and I just nail A stranger. It. Yeah, stranger. Just giving you drugs in the street. For free. And I just nail it. I think that's strange. Yeah, well, he was a cool guy, I guess. So I don't know. you just drank his fucking GHB and out he's of like, the He's like, have some, you know? And, and I take it, and I start, I gulp it. Like, I take a few gulps. And I was already kind of drunk. And he's like, dude, you're fucked. He's like, get away from me. You're totally fucked. And you drank all of his GHB? No, I didn't drink all of it. I just had a couple gulps of it. And but I, how many gulps are in a Blue Mountain Powery No, it's a big, big Powery bottle. But there's probably it. seven gulps. You had two of them? No, no. Uh, no, there was, it was more than that. It was like okay. a large one. Um, and so he, I take a few gulps of it, and then he's like, you're fucked. Like, it's way too much how much you took. And I start arguing with him. And I was like, let me get some more. Let me get some more. And he's like, no. And finally, he gives me some more. And what I do is I dump out my Powerade bottle, and he puts in like another couple drinks. Oh, you have a blue Powerade yeah, bottle? Yeah, I have you? my own blue okay. Powerade. So I dump out the Powerade in my blue Powerade bottle, and he gives me some GHB, right? And so and then he's like, "All right, get out of here, man! Like, I just you're fucked. You're totally fucked." So I'm walking around. Next thing I know, I wake up in the emergency room in Harlem. The side of my face is bashed in. I've shat the bed, and I hadn't been eating much at all. The I sh- think it would be shitted the bed. I shitted the bed. And this, it looked like cat vomit. There was nothing. You know, there was nothing kind of come out. Just either. blue power. So it was pretty bad. Blue See, Mountain Power and GHB. Yes. And uh, the first thing I do is I probably about 24 at this time. I look at my wristband, and I had no ID on me. And my wristband says Charles McCullough. <laughs> and it estimates my birthday, so I'm like 42. Wow. And I'm like 26, 27. I'm 25. Why I Charles remember. McCullough? I don't know. I guess that's like the John Doe of the day. Do you ever check into hotels under that name? No. You should. I should. <laughs> should be my pen name. Yes. Yes. Um, so I look at that and I actually start laughing. <laughs> you know, when I see my birthday yeah. and stuff, I'm laughing. And uh, it's kind of scary to think. The first thing I think to me. It could almost be an outer body experience. Like all your memories are wrong and you're actually, actually Charles <laughs> McCullough. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, and so I. Um, I actually started laughing. I remember thinking, like, oh, this isn't that bad, when it was clearly very, very Very bad. bad. But the kicker here, though, is that I have no belongings, nothing, and I look next to me when I'm in the emergency room, and what's next to me? 
the Powerade bottle with the juice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they left it next to me. They didn't know what it was. They didn't test it or anything like that. And they came in. They just gave me some piece of paper that said, like, um, <laughs> substance abuse. And, and, I, and anyways, I checked myself out of there, and I did make my way back to California and eventually. Did back. you drink the GHB in the hospital? You know what? Everybody asked me that, right? Of course you did. And I, no, I didn't. I actually didn't. What would you do with it? Uh, I poured it out. That's the biggest. I was scared. I swear to God, I've told people. I have told people that I drank it, but I did not. I so you went back to California out. now, uh, and then I got picked up and went back to jail. Well, where's the fruit? You oh, the fruit. Yeah. So the fruit. fruit. So, anyways, the fruit was Adelina Lodge. I uh, for sell. I spoke with people a few years later that were there with me. I'd been there about maybe three or four months when I ran away, and they said that after I left. There used to be fruit around it, and I used the rotten fruit mixed with the sugar and the orange juice to make the, the pruno, and they said that no fruit was allowed for several months. Okay. So all the residents couldn't have fruit. So fruiting was banned after you fled the Alina Lodge. Yeah, so there was a no fruiting rule <laughs> infringed upon Where you go, no fruiting follows. <laughs> no fruiting follows, This yes. is good. That's a good story. Yeah, it's a silly one. I haven't told it in a while, so I was a little all over the place. So what but- do we call that story? Dodge the Lodge? Well, that would take away your whole the idea. <laughs> yeah. I would call it the Blue Mountain Powerade. The Blue Mountain Powerade. Or Dodge the Lodge. Let's just call it Dodge the Lodge. Okay. Any comments, uh, concerns for Chris's well-being or, or topping the story with your own Blue Mountain Powerade <laughs> concoction, please write us at uh, Dopey Podcast, D-O-P-E-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at gmail.com and uh, true believers out there stay strong we do not advocate uh, drug use or drinking but if that's your thing man let your freak flag fly right <laughs> alright alright Good night. have a good day and thank you for listening thank to you. Dopey